Section 20 of The Jungle Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Padi Palawalia, Ottawa, Ontario. The Jungle Book by Rudyard Kipling. Her Majesty's Servants, Part 2. The baggage camel had been bobbing his head to and fro for some time past, anxious to get a word in edgewise. Then I heard him say, as he cleared his throat nervously, I, I, I have fought a little, but not in that climbing way or that running way. No, now you mention it, said Billy. You don't look as though you were made for climbing or running much. Well, how was it, old hay bales? The, the proper way, said the camel. We sat down. Oh, my cropper and breastplate, said the troop horse under his breath. Sat down? We, we sat down. A hundred of us, the camel went on, in a big square, and the men piled our packs and saddles outside the square, and they fired over our backs, the men did, on all sides of the square. What sort of men? Any men that came along? said the troop horse. They teach us in riding school to lie down and let our masters fire across us. But Dick Cunliffe is the only man I trust to do that. It tickles my girths, and besides, I can't see with my head on the ground. What, what does it matter who fires across you? said the camel. There are plenty of men, and plenty of other camels close by, and a great many clouds of smoke. I'm not frightened then, I sit still and wait. And yet, said Billy, you dream bad dreams and upset the camp at night. Well, well, before I'd lie down, not to speak of sitting down, and letting a man fire across me, my heels and his head would have something to say to each other. Did you ever hear anything so awful as that? There was a long silence, and then one of the gun bullocks lifted up his big head and said, This is very foolish indeed. There is only one way of fighting. Oh, go on, said Billy. Please don't mind me. I suppose you fellows fight standing on your tails. Only one way, said the two together. They must have been twins. This is that way to put all twenty yoke of us to the big gun as soon as Two Tails trumpets. Two Tails is camp slang for the elephant. What, what does Two Tails trumpet for? said the young mule. To show he's not going any nearer to the smoke on the other side. Two Tails is a great coward. Then we tug the big gun all together. Heya! Hula! Heya! Hula. We do not climb like cats nor run like calves. We go across the level plain, twenty yoke of us, till we are unyoked again, and we graze while the big guns talk across the plain to some town with mud walls, and piece of the wall will fall out, and the dust goes up as though many cattle were coming home. Oh, and you choose that time for grazing? said the young mule. That time or any other. Eating is always good. We eat till we are yoked up again and tug the gun back to where Two Tails is waiting for it. Sometimes there are big guns in the city that speak back and some of us are killed. And then there is all the more grazing for those that are left. This is fate. Nonetheless, Two Tails is a great coward. That is the proper way to fight. We are brothers from Hapur. 
Our father was the sacred bull of Shiva. We have spoken. Well, I certainly learned something tonight, said the troop horse. Do you gentlemen of the screw-gun battery feel inclined to eat when you are being fired at with big guns and two tails is behind you? About as much as we feel inclined to sit down and let men sprawl all over us, or run into people with knives, I never heard such stuff. A mountain ledge, a well-balanced load, a driver you can trust to let you pick your own way, and I'm your mule. But the other things? No, said Billy, with a stamp of his foot. Of course, said the troop horse, everyone is not made in the same way, and I can quite see that your family, on your father's side, would fail to understand a great many things. Never you mind my family on my father's side, said Billy angrily, for every mule hates to be reminded that his father was a donkey. My father was a southern gentleman, and he could pull and bite and kick into rags every horse he came across. Remember that, you big brown brumby. Brumby means wild horse without any breeding. Imagine the feelings of Sonol, if a car horse called her a skate, and you can imagine how the Australian horse felt. I saw the white of his eye glitter in the dark. See here, you son of an imported Malaga jackass, he said between his teeth. I'd have you know that I'm related on my mother's side to Carbine, winner of the Melbourne Cup. And where I come from, we aren't accustomed to being ridden over roughshod by any parrot-mouthed, pig-headed mule in a pop-gun pea-shooter battery. Are you ready? On your hind legs, squealed Billy. They both reared up facing each other, and I was expecting a furious fight when a gurgly, rumbly voice called out of the night to the right. Children, what are you fighting about there? Be quiet. Both bees dropped down with a snort of disgust, for neither horse nor mule can bear to listen to an elephant's voice. It's two tails, said the troop horse. I can't stand him. A tail at each end isn't fair. My feelings exactly, said Billy, crowding into the troop horse for company. We're very alike in some things. I suppose we've inherited them from our mothers, said the troop horse. It's not worth quarrelling about. Hi, Two Tails, are you tied up? Yes, said Two Tails, with a laugh all up his trunk. I'm picketed for the night. I've heard what you fellows have been saying. But don't be afraid, I'm not coming over. The bullocks and the camels said, half aloud, Afraid of Two Tails? What nonsense! And the bullocks went on, We're sorry that you heard, but it's true. Two Tails, why are you afraid of the guns when they fire? Well, said Two Tails, rubbing one hind leg against the other, exactly like a little boy saying a poem, I don't quite know whether you'd understand. We don't. But we have to pull the guns, said the Bullocks. I know it, and I know you're a good deal braver than you think you are. But it's different with me. My battery captain called me a pachydermatous anachronism the other day. That's another way of fighting, I suppose, said Billy, who was recovering his spirits. You don't know what it means, of course, but I do. It means betwixt and between, and that is just where I am. I can see inside my head what will happen when a shell bursts and you bullocks can't. I can, said the troop horse, at least a little bit. 
I try not to think about it. I can see more than you, and I do think about it. I know there is a great deal of me to take care of, and I know that nobody knows how to cure me when I'm sick. All they can do is stop my driver's pay till I get well, and I can't trust my driver. Ah, said the troop horse, that explains it. I can trust Dick. You could put a whole regiment of dicks on my back without making me feel any better. I know just enough to be uncomfortable, and not enough to go on in spite of it. We do not understand, said the bullocks. I know you don't. I'm not talking to you. You don't know what blood is. We do, said the bullocks. It is red stuff that soaks into the ground and smells. The troop horse gave a kick and a bound and a snort. Don't talk of it, he said. I can smell it now, just thinking of it. It makes me want to run when I haven't got Dick on my back. But it's not here, said the camel and the bullocks. Why are you so stupid? It's vile stuff, said Billy. I don't want to run. I don't want to talk about it. There you are, said Two Tails, waving his tail to explain. Surely. Yes, we have been here all night, said the bullocks. Two Tails stamped his foot until the iron ring on it jingled. Oh, I'm not talking to you. You can't see inside your heads. No, we see out of our four eyes, said the bullocks. We see straight in front of us. If I could do that and nothing else, you wouldn't be needed to pull the big guns at all. If I was like my captain, he can see things inside his head before the firing begins, and he shakes all over, but he knows too much to run away. If I was like him, I could pull the guns. But if I were as wise as all that, I should never be here. I should be a king in the forest, as I used to be, sleeping half the day and bathing when I liked. I haven't had a good bath for a month. That's all very fine, said Billy, but giving a thing a long name doesn't make it any better. Hush, said the troop horse. I think I understand what Two Tails means. You'll understand better in a minute, said Two Tails angrily. Now you just explain to me why you don't like this. And he began trumpeting furiously at the top of his trumpet. Stop that, said Billy and the troop horse together, and I could hear them stamp and shiver. An elephant's trumpeting is always nasty, especially on a dark night. I shan't stop, said Two Tails. Won't you explain that, please? Then he stopped suddenly, and I heard a little whimper in the dark and knew that Vixen had found me at last. She knew as well as I did that if there was one thing in the world that an elephant is more afraid of than another is a little barking dog. So she stopped to bully Two Tails in his pickets, and yapped around his feet. Two Tails shuffled and squeaked. Go away, little dog, he said. Don't snuff at my ankles or I'll kick at you. Good little dog, nice little doggy then. Go home, you yelping little beast. Oh, why doesn't someone take her away? She'll bite me in a minute. Seems to me, said Billy to the troop horse, that our friend Two Tails is afraid of most things. Now, if I had a full meal for every dog I've kicked across the parade ground, I should be as fat as Two Tails nearly. I whistled, 
and Vixen ran up to me, muddy all over, and licked my nose, and told me a long tale about hunting for me all through the camp. I never let her know that I understood beast talk, or she would have taken all sorts of liberties. So I buttoned her into the breast of my overcoat, and Two Tails shuffled and stamped and growled to himself. Extraordinary, most extraordinary, he said. It runs in our family. Now where has that nasty little beast gone to? I heard him feeling about with his trunk. We all seem to be affected in various ways, he went on, blowing his nose. Now, you gentlemen were alarmed, I believe, when I trumpeted. Not alarmed, exactly, said the troop horse. But it made me feel as though I had hornets where my saddle ought to be. Don't begin again. I'm frightened of a little dog, and the camel here is frightened by bad dreams in the night. It's very lucky for us that we haven't all got to fight in the same way, said the troop horse. What, what I want to know, said the young mule, who'd been quiet for a long time, what I want to know is why we've got to fight at all. Because we're told to, said the troop horse with a snort of contempt. Orders, said Billy the mule, and his teeth snapped. Hook em high. It's an order, said the camel with a gurgle. And two tails and the bullocks repeated, Hook em high. Yes, but who gives the orders, said the recruit mule. The man who walks at your head, or sits on your back, or holds a nose rope, or twists your tail, said Billy and the troop horse and the camel and the bullocks one after the other. But who gives them the orders? Now you want to know too much, young'un, said Billy, and that is one way of getting kicked. All you have to do is obey the man at your head and ask no questions. I can't always obey. "'because I'm betwixt and between. "'But Billy's right. "'Obey the man next to you who gives the order, "'or you'll stop all the battery besides getting a thrashing.' "'The gun bullocks got up to go. "'Morning is coming,' they said. "'We will go back to our lines. "'It is true that we only see out of our eyes, "'and we're not very clever. "'But still, we are the only people tonight who have not been afraid.' Good night, you brave people. Nobody answered. And the troop horse said to change the conversation, Where's that little dog? A dog means a man or somewhere about. Here I am, yapped Vixen, under the gun tail with my man. You big blundering beast of a camel, you, you upset our tent. My man's very angry. Phew, said the bullet. He must be white. Of course he is, said Vixen. Do you suppose I'm looked after by a black bullock driver? Wow, wow, said the bullocks. Let us get away quickly. They plunged forward in the mud and managed somehow to run their yoke onto the pole of an ammunition wagon, where it jammed. Now you've done it, said Billy calmly. Don't struggle. You're hung up till daylight. What on earth's the matter? The bullocks went off into the long, hissing snorts Indian cattle give, and pushed and crowded and slewed and stamped and slipped, and nearly fell down in the mud, grunting savagely. "'You'll break your necks in a minute,' said the troop horse. "'What's the matter with white men? I live with them.' "'They eat us.' "'Oh!' said the near bullock. The yoke snapped with a twang, and they lumbered off together. 
I never knew before what made Indian cattle so scared of Englishmen. We do eat beef, a thing that no cattle driver touches. And of course the cattle do not like it. May I be flogged with my own pad chains. Who'd have thought of two big lumps like that losing their heads? said Billy. Never mind. I'm going to look at this man. Most of the white men I know have things in their pockets, said the troop horse. I'll leave you then. I can't say I'm over fond of them myself. Besides, white men who haven't got a place to sleep are more likely to be thieves, and I've a good deal of government property on my back. Come along, young'un, and we'll go back to our lines. Good night, Australia. See you on parade tomorrow, I suppose. Good night, old hay bale. Try to control your feelings, won't you? Good night, two tails. If you pass on the ground tomorrow, don't trump it. It spoils our formation. Billy the mule stomped off with the exaggerated limp of an old campaigner, as the troop horse's head came nuzzling into my breast, and I gave him biscuits, while Vixen, who was a most conceited little dog, told him fibs about the scores of horses that she and I kept. I'm coming to the parade ground tomorrow in my dog cart, she said. Where will you be? On the left hand of the second squadron. I set the time for all my troop, little lady, he said politely. Now I must go back to Dick. My tail's all muddy, and he'll have two hours' hard work dressing me for parade. The big parade of all the thirty thousand men was held that afternoon, and Vixen and I had a good place close to the Viceroy and the Amir of Afghanistan, with high, big black hat of astrakhan wool and a great diamond star in the centre. The first part of the review was all sunshine, and the regiments went by in wave upon wave of legs all moving together, and guns all in a line, till our eyes grew dizzy. Then the cavalry came near, to the beautiful cavalry canter of Bonnie Dundee, and Vixen cocked her ear where she sat on the dog cart. The second squadron of the Lancers shot by, and there was the troop horse, with his tail like spun silk, his head pulled into his breast, one ear forward and one back, setting the time for all his squadron, his legs going as smoothly as waltz music. Then the big guns came by, and I saw two tails and two other elephants harnessed in line to a forty-pounder siege gun, while twenty yoke of oxen walked behind. The seventh pair had a new yoke, and they looked rather stiff and tired. Last came the screw guns, and Billy the mule carried himself as though he commanded all the troops, and his harness was oiled and polished till it winked. I gave a cheer all by myself for Billy the mule, but he never looked left or right. The rain began to fall again, and for a while it was too misty to see what the troops were doing. They had made a big half-circle across the plain, and were spreading out into a line. That line grew and grew and grew till it was three-quarters of a mile long from wing to wing, one solid wall of men, horses, and guns. Then it came on straight towards the Viceroy and the Amir, and as it got nearer the ground began to shake, like the deck of a steamer when the engine's going fast. Unless you have been there, you cannot imagine what a frightening effect the steady come-down of troops has on the spectators, even when they know it's only a review. I looked at the Amir. Up till then he had not shown the shadow of a sign of astonishment or anything else, but now his eyes began to get bigger and bigger, and he picked up the reins on his horse's neck and looked behind him. For a minute it seemed as though he was going to draw his sword and slash his way out through the English men and women in the carriages at the back. Then the advance stopped dead. 
the ground stood still, the whole line saluted, and thirty bands began to play all together. That was the end of the review, and the regiments went off to their camps in the rain, and an infantry band struck up with, the animals went in two by two, hurrah! The animals went in two by two, the elephant and the battery mule, and they all got into the ark for to get out of the rain. Then I heard an old, grizzled, long-haired Central Asian chief, who had come down with the emir, asking questions of a native officer. Now, said he, in what manner was this wonderful thing done? And the officer answered, an order was given, and they obeyed. But are the beasts as wise as the men, said the chief? They obey as the men do. Mule, horse, elephant, or bullock, he obeys his driver, and the driver is sergeant, the sergeant is lieutenant, and the lieutenant is captain, the captain is major, the major is colonel, and the colonel his brigadier commanding three regiments, and the brigadier the general, who obeys the viceroy, who is the servant of the empress. Thus it is done. Would it was so in Afghanistan, said the chief, for there we obey only our own wills. And for that reason, said the native officer, twirling his moustache, your emir, who you do not obey, must come here and take orders from our viceroy. End of section 20 Recording by Pardeep Aluwalia, Ottawa, Ontario